Ten seconds. All right. You know what it is. You know who it is. We're back with another episode of the Thrive AmTap with two Ps. You. Today is episode 22. Coming at you with a freestyle. We didn't write anything down for this. We're just we're just going. We don't write write down a lot. We just write down notes to keep ourselves uh, on task. Yeah, and on topic. So, like I said, episode twenty two. Today's episode is going to be called "Which functionally relevant movement pattern matters most?" I think. <laughs> I think that's what we're going to end up calling this. I'm not sure yet. We'll, we'll tweak the title slightly. It's going to be something around there. I, I think which one has the greatest carryover to our day to day life. There we go. That's what we're looking for. I might have misunderstood. Anyways. Sorry, so, it happened fast. Yeah. So, it's going to be 15 minutes long. We'll start from here. I'm going to say mine. Uh, do you want to give a brief overview first? So, or? yeah. So, guys, what we're discussing here today, when we're talking about functionally relevant movement patterns, and there are more tangents than what we're going to go over here. So, there's a lot of different things that qualify as a functionally relevant movement pattern. But what we're going to discuss here today is the big ones. So we're gonna be talking about squatting and maybe a little bit more about like the back squat. And then we'll discuss the bench press or pushing movement and what that emulates or what that simulates. And then we'll discuss the deadlift. And we're going to talk about the application of these movement patterns and how practicing them will help benefit our day-to-day lives and which, like how each one does carry over each one, uh, each, how each one carries over to aspects of our day-to-day lives. But ultimately, what we think, and this is sort of like a little bit of a debate almost between Brandon and I, and this is another part of the reason why we decided to freestyle it a bit, is to very organically see which position we kind of take as we go across these 15 minutes. Yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll get started on that. So my most, oh, I guess translates the most to me, is the hip hinge pattern. So not the bench press. Not the bench press. Not, even not bench press with four bills. Even though it's fun. <laughs> to me, the most important thing that somebody can learn to do is hip hinge, meaning deadlift. So use of their hips and bending over. Uh, I've talked about it a lot on Instagram, like dissociation from back and hip movement. So a lot of times when we see people bend over on a day-to-day life, it's, uh, it's kind of ugly or it can get kind of like... <laughs> It, it can get bad. Um, sorry, everybody. Yeah, sorry. I mean, there's... And again, not in everyday life, we're not supposed to sit our hips perfectly, our feet perfectly, and bend over, because it's just not realistic in a lot of scenarios. But to me, as long as we kind of build an awareness of the hip hinge and what it is, and then what the feeling is to hip hinge, that's going to translate to almost every other aspect of fitness. So... I feel like it has a lot to do with the squat. In terms of a movement, I think like a full movement, the squat is most important. But I think if we're going to be learning a specific part of a movement, I think the hip hinge is like the most important. Uh, it, it gives us awareness of how to move our hips, how to use them, how to create power from our hips. They're the strongest and biggest muscles per, uh, I forgot the term for it. But anyways, they're the most important muscles to use if we're going to squat properly, if we're going to deadlift properly, if we're going to end up getting into 
different aspects of dynamic movement, like the kettlebell swing, um, cleans with dumbbells, cleans with a barbell, snatch with a barbell, snatch with a dumbbell. And if we can properly produce power from there and have a stable base to function from, I think that's what translates best from like here on out to every other movement. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good start. So discussing, give me an overview of what we're talking about here. We're talking about the squat pattern, talking about the bench press pattern. There's of course other pressing patterns and there's functional relevancy associated with those pressing patterns, but we're gonna try and keep it simple and limit it to the bench press. So we've got the squat, we've got the bench press, and then as Brandon just discussed, the deadlift. So I wanna break each one down. Squatting would be the equivalent or found at least in our everyday lives is sitting and standing. We have to lower ourselves down under some sort of control onto a chair or a seat, a bench, our driver's seat for driving, maybe it's a bus seat, whatever it is, we wanna lower ourselves out of control, uh, down under control. And we gotta at some point stand back up, at least the majority of us do. So we wanna be able to have some sort of proficiency in that sit and stand pattern. So the squat is going to be functionally irrelevant in that respect of we're coming down all the way into the bottom of the squat as full of a range of motion as we possibly can and then standing back up to a full extension. The difference being here that we're not sitting down on anything per se. <clears throat> uh, on the other hand, uh, we are responsible for maintaining the control of our body and our balance as we descend into a full squat pattern and stand back up. Bench press is going to simulate a pushing motion. So we'd see this in terms of when we get to a very aggressive altercation. No, I'm kidding. Maybe, but no, I'm talking more about like as we were to maybe open up a door. You push that door open with two hands. At some point, I'm sure that we've all come across a door. We're like, this is a really freaking heavy door, man. What's this about? And we either have to push or pull it open. So if we do a bench press functionally sound, we're going to get good recruitment from both antagonistic and protagonistic muscles that are responsible for pushing and pulling. So it's important to understand and recognize that. We also usually find our way up out of bed in the morning with some sort of a push-up or press pattern. So again, we see that carry over there. Deadlift. The deadlift is funky because we usually don't see any perfect objects that we can grab our hands around and then manipulate them, picking them up and moving them around. We also usually don't pick things up and then put them right back down. So the, the deadlift pattern as a functionally relevant movement pattern, while very important and as Brandon was discussing that hip hinge my goodness there's so much value in it the practice of the deadlift is probably the most far removed from its functional application that doesn't mean that it's not valuable but just saying in terms of in its very essence when we're looking at the functional application of the hip hinge movement pattern and picking things up and moving we end up moving them around afterwards. So it's not just picking something up and putting it back down, picking something up and putting it back down. If we're doing yard work or something like that, for if for instance, we're picking up some sort of a pot or something like that or a plant and we relocate it or we're moving things around in our garage or we're picking up our child. You usually don't pick the child up, put it back down, pick the child up, put it back down. Well, the thing that got me thinking about it today <laughs> was because we got, well, in Albany, everybody was in Albany, obviously we got snow last night, but I was shoveling this morning and like even, I'd say I'm more than proficient 
of the hip hinge pattern, and I still was feeling some stuff in my lower back. And I'm yeah. thinking, like, all right, if I'm feeling this, like, there's probably people out there who are feeling this type of pain even worse because they don't know, like, how to even properly hip hinge. Everything yeah. is from the lower back or everything's from our back when we bend over. So there's not much going into it where, like, when someone's shoveling and they have that back pain, they it's not that they – they're not essentially, like, they're doing it wrong, but it's just because they don't have the awareness of how to hip hinge and there's other aspects of life. But like I said, the reason I say the hip hinge and not the deadlift is because of what Derek said specifically. Like the deadlift yeah, itself man. is not and like, very, like most it's the most far removed. Yeah, yeah. And because and it's so crazy too, because without practicing it, you won't have that awareness. There'll be that gap in awareness. And then physiologically the musculature won't be stimulated. It won't be it won't have matured to be able to do the hip hinge pattern and apply force or stabilize in the way that we need it to in order to properly execute functionally that that movement pattern. So it's a, it's hard to not say that that's the most important one because especially being that when we're when we are deadlifting or picking things up and moving them around it's inherently loaded. So when we sit down and stand up, it's just body weight, which we're somewhat proficient at because we walk around day to day, sit down in our car, stand up, and get in and out of chairs and whatever else. We always walk around with our body weight. So there is a little bit more of an advantage to the squat and its application than there is the deadlift just because by virtue of when we're deadlifting in our day-to-day lives, it requires an external load. There's this, there's some sort of external load that we have to manipulate, move around, position our body in the most advantageous system of levers to be able to safely move. I mean, you usually don't hear people say, ah, I hurt my back sitting down in this chair. I'm sure someone out there has done it, but usually it's, I went to pick up this box throughout my back. Oh, I went to pick up my kit, threw out my back, so on and so forth. It's always these deadlift movements. It's predominantly these deadlift movements that are like getting us into trouble. So it's going to be really hard, I think, to to debate that. The deadlift is really high up there for, I mean, it, it might it might take the win here. You know? <laughs> you didn't really, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's this, definitely, the like thing, I said, it's, yeah. yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like I said, it's just, and you made a really good point there. I didn't really think about that. Like, most of the time, like the squat and the press, you can almost practice without, like, uh, you can practice without an external load. Like, you can just sit there and practice the squat, or you can just do burpees. Burpees. Yay. No, but you can do burpees, and just, or, like, push-ups, and you can do that basically whenever. But for a deadlift, you kind of, I mean, realistically, you don't need to weight to practice the movement itself, but if you want to progress it, then... Like, you do need weight to progress that movement. So. Yeah, and having the awareness to perform a hip hinge, but, excuse me, even furthermore, understand how to brace our body to be able to leverage a load off of the ground or off knee height or even beyond that, just to be able to twist and turn and have the wherewithal to generate stability, core stability, and move our body as well as that resistance or that whatever that object is. Where I get a little tripped up is that 
with the squat pattern, if we're proficient at the squat pattern, if we are capable of taking our body through a wide range of motion all the way down to the bottom of the squat, so I'm talking about well past parallel of uh, the hip to the plane of the knee, and able to stand back up for a number of reps, we can use the mechanics of the squat pattern to often preserve safety and integrity of hip hinge movement patterns. While it might not necessarily have the same quality of functionality, it still gets the work done for us. So with thinking about this and talking about it now and thinking that like the squat pattern and being able to be proficient at the squat pattern, if we can do that safely and have the awareness to be able to be like the physiological and the neurological ability to perform a squat, a squat I think is actually superior in its functionally relevant abilities. You know, because the deadlift can be built up and we can create a more proficient hip hinge, but then not necessarily do much good in terms of the relationship of the joints of the ankle and the knee. And so those those joint those those joint actions or those angles, those ranges of motion may be compromised while we're still able to do a, a quality hip hinge movement and even lift heavy loads. Yeah. I mean, thinking about, I was just kind of thinking about what I said that it's not very progressible, but like there are things for the hip hinge that you can do, like single leg stuff that will translate to health of the knee because obviously creating more hip stability is going to keep the knee safer, but that is a, definitely an aspect that you can't really train like the knee or ankle action. So that's definitely something that like you have to look towards, but obviously that's why we do every other movement. But yeah. I mean, we could always uh, go to the Kang squat. Kang squat. The, com- the combination of both. Yeah. Shout out to Marcus Swilly. If you ever <laughs> listen to this. But yeah, I mean, the squat to me, in general, you're using a lot more. But it's uh, it seems, it at least seems to me in here, like with the people that come in here, that they seem to understand the squat way better than the hip hinge. And the hip hinge is has a lot more issues to it than yeah. the squat pattern. So to me, that's kind of like, okay, well, these people aren't understanding this. There's obviously something that's like not right in either the way I'm saying it or the way that the movement is itself. So it's, it's like, that's why I think it's almost the most important thing, that, one of the most important things. Yeah. So. I, I think that, it, well, for one, we can say that the bench press has the least the the least amount of good provided to the functional application of our bodies and our day-to-day lives i think that i'm going to sit a little bit more on the side of the squat because i think that we can get away with a lot of squatting in terms of moving external loads but that's that's what i'm going to say my order is going to be squat deadlift and then bench press last which i still think the bench press is very important but and the deadlift as well but i think that the squat if we perform a healthy functional squat it's going to serve as a very strong basis for all of our movement patterns that we're going to need to do on a day-to-day basis. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed. I'm going to put a poll up. Let me know who you agree with. <laughs> Don't say who, but just like which one do you think? Maybe not like, like, well, no. I'm going to say hip hinge or squat. You oh. Know, you pick which one. Oh, not like you no, or no, me. No, 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 no. All right. Okay, cool. I don't want to embarrass you. Yeah, right, right, right. I don't want to lose this one. Are you saying the deadlift? Are you saying that definitively? I'm saying the hip hinge. Okay. Not the deadlift. 
Well, you got to pick one of the three. The deadlift and lower. How about that? The deadlift and lower. All right, I'll pick the deadlift. All right. There you go. Even though that's not specific to what I said. That's all right. I'll pick the deadlift. I'll go with it. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Appreciate you stopping by. Peace. Bye, guys.